Thank you so much, Jason. Um, it's an honor to have you here with us uh, today. My name is Anthony. I'm pastor here at Fellowship Church. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here as well, uh, wherever you're joining us from. I, I see, um, I know one of our, our regular attenders, um, our uh, online church lives in Arizona, and she was sharing that you know, they don't uh, fall back and spring forward, and so they, they've got it right there. And so it just complicates so many things. And pretty soon, there we have possibility of not doing this anymore and staying in daylight savings time, which is always good. Darkness is never the optimal goal. Um, we're in a series on the book of Exodus. Um, over the course of the year, we're going to look at Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, setting ourselves up to go into Joshua. Um, if you're like, wow, this is a long time to spend in the Old Testament, it, it is, but it's important. Uh, we'll take a couple breaks on the way. Our first break will be um, for Christmas. We have a Christmas um, message, and then we're going to go into like a relationship series later in the year, a series on what it means to be saved in Christ. Uh, we have a lot of things to go over this year, but we really want to be faithful to looking through this book and walking through a book of the Bible um, expositionally as we have is difficult because it forces you to speak on things that normally you would just want to skip over. And I think that last weekend um, I said the word circumcision more than I ever have in my entire life. And, and I hope that you weren't um, too um, disturbed by that last weekend, but I hope that you were also encouraged by the message um, being forced to look at these things that like, what is, what is God's word trying to say and how does it apply to our lives so that we can move forward in freedom. Um, I do want to make just a, a brief announcement and get right into this today, and we're going to continue in worship through song and prayer in a little bit, but um, Paula mentioned that we have this meet here, start here, lunch after the service, and I would like to personally invite you to that. Um, the most difficult thing it is to do at any church, whether it's tiny or medium or large or huge, is to connect. It's so hard to connect um, with people, even if you've known people for a long time. I'm always surprised um, I'll interact with people in our church community um, who've been attending for years and years and years and have, like, never met each other before. I'm like, how do you not know each other? And so I want to encourage you to look for ways to get connected, get involved. The purpose of this lunch is to help you know how to get connected. And hopefully we can help you discover, like, is this a good fit or a good church for us? Uh, and if not, uh, we know most churches and pastors in town, and, and we support and encourage um, and are standing side by side with other godly churches in our city and so sometimes people are like it's not a good fit I'm like okay we want to help you find a good fit because we don't care about fellowship church we care about the church as a whole and so we want the church to grow and to flourish in our city and any way we can do that is helpful so i want to invite you to that and then um finally something paula didn't mention is that next sunday right after our service uh, after our 10 a.m service we're having an interest meeting for uh, the school that we are planning on launching in the near future, and so if you are interested in all um, at helping us um, start a school, a Christian school, um, for our community, um, you might ask, well, why are we doing that? It's because we need to protect our children and help our children grow in the ways of the Lord while they're being educated, and um, we're not seeking to start a school to make money. This will probably cost money, and so if you're interested in helping in any way or just in praying, or in sending your kids to this school, um, that's just open for anybody. And we're just trying to get, trying to pray and ask the Lord, you know, who, who do we have that could start a team to develop this school? And so that's next Sunday, 
November the 14th, right after our 10 a.m. service. And um, just just come with an open heart and just ask God, if, is this something I'm supposed to be a part of? And you might say, well, I'm not a teacher or whatever. You might be somebody who is um, very good at fundraising. You might be someone who's very good at um, finding ways to staff and finding ways to, to raise support for this school. And so please just come if you're interested. That's going to be next Sunday. So if you have a Bible, uh, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 4, actually you turn to 5, we're just going to look at two verses in chapter 4. Um, if you have our app, it's FC Online. Uh, all the verses are going to be there except for the, the, the real big chunk of Scripture that we're going to be just kind of um, referencing, which is basically Exodus 4 through 6. It's not in those notes, but there's a little note that will say, go and read this passage of Scripture. There's some other passages that we're going to be alluding to that are going to be in those notes, and I've got quite a few of them on the screen. If you're watching online, a lot of the verses that we're going to be reading will be on the screen for you as well. But last week, we looked at this strange passage where Moses, after deciding to move forward with God's plan, he heads off to Egypt expecting to meet his brother Aaron. But on the way... Um, God confronts Moses and actually, strangely, tries to kill uh, Moses. And he does this as an act of judgment for not keeping to God's covenant of Moses circumcising his son. And so as Moses lay dying, his wife Zipporah takes quick action, and she takes Moses' previous responsibility on her own and circumcises her 40-year-old son. And um, causing God to relent and allow Moses to continue in his mission. And so let's pick up that story after that very weird story. Moses, you know, he apparently heals up a little bit. And he goes back on that journey to um, Egypt where he's going to go back to um, confront those gods called him to confront. And he does meet Aaron along the way. So he meets Aaron and... We don't know how often Moses saw Aaron. It it couldn't be very often. But Moses describes to Aaron what's been transpiring, what's been going on. And if I'm Aaron, I think that Moses is nuts, and I want nothing to do with my brother who's been hiding out in Midian for 40 years. God talked to you from a burning bush, right. But Aaron's like, cool, I'm in. And Moses is also like, by the way, I told God I couldn't be the one to speak, and so you're going to do it. Aaron's still like, that's cool. I'll, I'll do it. And so Aaron is in. And, and I don't like to be the church that w- says, like, repeat after me. But I, I would like to be that church for a minute. Turn to your neighbor and say in. He is in. I'm too cool to do it, Pastor. I know you're too cool. I'm way too cool. I wouldn't do it if I was sitting where you were. But he's in. He's in. Aaron is in. And we're going to talk today about being in, being out, and giving up. Being in, being out, and giving up. Aaron is in. So Exodus 4.29, they're on their way. It says, Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and Aaron did the signs in the sight of the elders of the people of Israel. And the elders of the people of Israel, the leaders of the people of Israel, they believed Aaron. And when they heard that the Lord, that's the name here written, Yahweh, the name of the Lord. When they heard that Yahweh had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, 
they bowed their heads and they worshipped the Lord. So Aaron and Moses immediately do what God tells Moses to do, and that is to first go and approach, confront, talk to the leaders of the people of Israel. We talked weeks ago how I believe this is actually Moses' biggest fear. I don't think Moses' biggest fear is to go and talk to the Pharaoh, to Egypt. I think he is far more paranoid and anxious about talking to his own people because you've got to remember he's kind of a traitor in some kind of ways. He's at least an outcast. He's been gone for 40 years. He's going to come back and pretend, but he really does, but they're going to think. He just, he just pretends to care. What's this about? But he goes and he approaches them and notice that Aaron is the one that talks. And the Bible doesn't make it a abundantly clear before chapter 4 about the signs and wonders and miracles, but did you notice that Aaron is the one who does them, not Moses? Um, God told Moses to do all this cool stuff with his staff, and it's actually Aaron is the one who does all the cool stuff with the staff. And Moses, if I'm Moses, I'm feeling like a total third wheel, um, awkwardly watching all this happen, knowing I was the one that was supposed to do it, but yet still being somewhat obedient, but Aaron Here is doing all the cool stuff. And so the people of Israel, now they are in. They're in. Wow. Look at at all the cool magic tricks that Aaron can do. Look at all these things that Aaron has told us. And God actually cares about our affliction. And so they have this sort of a revival because we actually have no clue how serious they have been about serving Yahweh. But now all of a sudden they bow and they worship him. When they hear that God cares, they have this revival moment. They turn towards God. The people are in. And now that the people are in, Moses and Aaron can go and approach Pharaoh because they now have the people's support. The people are down. They're in. They're in this mission. They're like, yeah, we would love to be free. So chapter 5, verse 1, afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. This is what God told Moses to tell Pharaoh. But it's not the whole truth. You ever catch that before? Moses and Aaron don't go before Pharaoh, and God doesn't tell Moses and Aaron to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go forever from slavery. He doesn't say emancipate and free the slaves. He just says, we want to take a several-day journey into the wilderness so that we can worship the Lord. Now, a question in, in this whole series, I want you to ask a lot of questions about the Bible. You have to ask, like, did they lie? Kind of. They didn't tell the whole truth. And I think this is deliberate on God's part. God, God is not a liar. The Bible says clearly God's not lying. But I do believe Like it always has been, God reveals to us what we need to know. And what Pharaoh needed to know is that Pharaoh needed to let the people go out into the wilderness for a few days. So then once they were outside of the borders of Egypt, they could be gone. Because if Moses and Aaron would have said, Pharaoh, will you let our people go forever? Pharaoh would have been like, heck no. We want the slave labor. We're not letting you go. And so they just approach it just a little bit slowly. It's like, you know, a kid come and ask you, and if they can do something, Mom and Dad, we want to go and do this and this and this. You're like, okay, that's great. You're allowed to do that. And they're like, and this. And you're like, whoa, I didn't agree to that. And they're like, you already said yes. But not exactly. 
And so this is what's happening here. And, and so God knows this is the best way to get them out of the borders so that they can get out without a fight. But Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened, and it's going to result in a fight anyways. But the casualties won't be on Israel's side. The casualties will be exclusively on the side of Egypt. So chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. So Pharaoh says, pay close attention to what he says. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, or moreover, I will not let Israel go. So uh, a lot of defiance here. Who is? I don't know. I will not. I was talking to a friend of mine this week who said uh, her daughter and her daughter's husband came to her and her husband and said, we want you to know we are renouncing Jesus Christ. We are renouncing Jesus. It wasn't we don't believe in him. It wasn't we're not going to serve God. Christianity is not for us. The church is not for us. Their exact words are we are denouncing Jesus Christ. That is a hard heart. Pharaoh says here, who is Yahweh? I don't know him. I will not let Israel go. So they said to Pharaoh, the God of the Hebrews, that's the language they spoke. They were Hebrews. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, Pharaoh. Too bad. Like, we're going. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. They said, or else God may fall upon us with pestilence and with the sword. God might kill us if we don't go. Now, why would Moses say this? Because God almost just killed him for not moving forward in the right direction. And so there is certainly an intentional drawback to the original story. But there is irony here because Aaron is saying, if we are not let to go, God might kill us. But the irony is, is that Pharaoh is the one will, that's going to have pestilence and the sword fall on him. So Aaron could have said, or else God will kill you, Pharaoh, if you don't let us go. And he's, he's going to say that later. So verse 4. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. Back to work. Back to work, guys. Um, Harvey or Her what's the name of the dentist? Elf and Rudolph. Hermie. Yeah, Hermie, quit wasting your time with dentistry. Get back to work making toys. Guys, you've got this pie-in-the-sky dream of making freedom, taking out worshiping, but like we need to focus on making bricks. Make bricks, Israel. That's why you're here. So it doesn't go so well. And so the Pharaoh doubles down on the Israelites, and he discontinues the supply of hay or straw that Egypt is giving to Israel to make bricks. So Israel made bricks for the Egyptians. And Sometimes we'll imagine, like, these were the bricks that built the pyramids. They were not. They were small bricks. There are hieroglyphs um, depicting these scenes of laborers building bricks. They needed hay to mix with the clay and the mud to bake these bricks. And so Pharaoh says, okay, you guys shouldn't have asked this, and so you've got to provide your own straw. And not only do you have to provide your own straw, we're not going to do it for you anymore. Your quota of brick is going to remain the same. So you have to produce the same amount of bricks in the same amount of time, only you've got to get your own hay. And as you read through this account in chapter 5, you notice a key detail we're not going to read because there's, there's a lot of passages, but essentially 
Pharaoh lets on that he understands there's more going on here than just a three days journey to worship. It's very clear that he knows that this is a way for them to get out of the burdens he has placed on them. And so he makes work more difficult for them. And of course, the Israelites could not keep up with this brick building endeavor. And so the Israelite foremen put over the job by Egyptian slave masters when when the Egyptian slave masters and when Pharaoh realizes they're not producing enough bricks, the foremen of the people start to get beaten because their job was not complete. And that doesn't help morale very much. And so the foremen are ticked off. This isn't possible. Our workers can't keep up with this. And so for whatever reason, the foremen are given an audience with Pharaoh, and they go to Pharaoh and say, uh, Pharaoh, this isn't fair. That was fun. Pharaoh, this isn't fair. Uh, Pharaoh, this isn't fair, oh. And we need uh, the straw. We can't make the bricks. And so Pharaoh is like, too bad, guys. Um, I understand you're telling me it's not possible, but you've got to do it anyways. And unless you produce the bricks, uh, you're going to be beaten even more. And so it doesn't help at all. Instead, Pharaoh just gets more angry and he then passes the blame back to them. Guys, the problem is your guys, Moses and Aaron, coming in here like they're all that, asking us to let you guys go, and it's their fault. It's not mine. It's Moses and Aaron's fault that I'm placing more work on you because you guys need to learn a better work ethic. And so the foremen, they leave the palace of Pharaoh, and the Bible says, that Aaron and Moses are waiting outside for them. We're like, what, what did they say? What did the Pharaoh say? What did he tell you? And this is their response in verse 21 of chapter 5. This, remember, these are the Israelite foremen. These are Moses and Aaron's own people. It says, the Lord look on you and judge you because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. You have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So this is irony. The very thing that Moses and Aaron said to Pharaoh would happen to them at the hands of God if Pharaoh did not let them go, his own people are now saying may happen to them at the hands of Pharaoh if they don't do what Pharaoh wants them to do. If you ever want to be a leader of anything, you have to be willing to be the bad guy. There are things that leaders will do that leaders just do that, that aren't bad, that people will blame on the leader just because they are the ones that have the transference of people's own issues poured out onto them. How many of you like being a manager, a boss, a leader, a supervisor, a coach? Isn't it great? Isn't it amazing? Sometimes to be the bad guy. And here Moses is the bad guy. And it's just like before. Forty years before, they were like, Moses, you killed one of the slave drivers to save a life of an Israelite. And you shouldn't have done that. You made life harder for us. And now they're saying, Moses, you're coming here to rescue us. But instead, you're making life worse for us. Moses here, once again, is the bad guy. And the people who seemed like they were in are now out. We're out. They were flaky. We were in when we heard that God cared about us, but when life gets difficult and we have to make a lot of bricks, we're out. 
And if I was Moses, I would be ticked, disheartened, disillusioned, discouraged, depressed. And that's exactly what happened. So in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, Moses says, Oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, God, see this blame game back and forth? He has done evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. So Pharaoh tells the foreman, it's Moses' fault. Pharaoh then sends the foreman out, and the foreman said, Moses, it's your fault. And then Moses said, oh, no, it's actually God's fault, which is true, by the way. That is the actual truth. See, it seems to me like Moses wants to give up. He wants to give up on the mission. He wants to give up on the people. He wants to give up on himself. And if you read the story, which we are, this wasn't the first time. And it certainly will not be the last time. And so God reassures Moses that God will do what God promised to do. So let's look now chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Just have a few more passages to look at. Chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. It says, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out, and with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Speaking of, like, God's going to visit Pharaoh very strongly and drive the people out through driving Pharaoh out, so to say. So God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. God, who will I tell the people, send me when I go and I start this mission? And from the burning bush, God says, tell them, I am sent you. Moses, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, the self-existent one, the one who was, who is, who is to come, the one who is becoming, the one who's with you, the one who's in front of you, the one who's behind you. I am. That's why it was so controversial when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. He's God. Moses said, I'm God. Moses, I appeared to Abraham, your great, 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 great grandfather. I appeared to Isaac. I appeared to Jacob as God Almighty. That in, uh, we transliterate that word to El Shaddai, God Almighty. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Pause. It is clear when you study um, Judaism and you you study the history of Israel and you look through the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob very, 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 very likely did know that God's name was Yahweh, but that's not how he interacted with them. Instead, he interacted with them as God Almighty. And so God tells Moses, I interacted with you on a first-name basis. I appeared to you as the Lord. Verse 4, I also established my covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, Moses, I have heard their groaning. I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. Remember when Pharaoh, just before, he's like, I do not know the Lord. 
I will not do what the Lord says. And God responds with, I am the Lord. Here is what I will do. And so God doesn't want to just reassure Moses. He wants to reassure the people. And God says in verse 6, Moses, Aaron, say therefore to the people of Israel, tell them, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Apply this to your life, by the way. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will deliver you from slavery to Egypt. I love this. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. That's Revelation quotes this And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. God's name is all he needed to know. I am. I've got it covered. I'm doing it. I've got it covered. I'm going in the right direction. I was with you before. I was with you then. I'm with you now. I'll be with you in the future. And if you look at the book of John, what does Jesus say over and over and over again? I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door to the sheep. I am the light of the world. And so all of these things that God is saying about himself, we've got to understand that Jesus is God the Son in the flesh, and he declared before the world that he is these things, and the same God that delivered Egypt is delivering us through Jesus Christ. So verse 9, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. He said all of it, and this is interesting. It's actually Moses talking this time. But they did not listen to Moses. Pay close attention to this next phrase. It says they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit, and harsh slavery. They've been living like this for 400 years. In their defense, Moses had not. In their defense, Moses had spent the first 40 years of his life as royalty, and the second 40 years living a safe and comfortable life with his family outside of Egypt. They couldn't hear. They wouldn't listen because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. You and I interact with people often if we're interacting with people. We interact with people who don't take God's words to heart, who don't receive with an open, soft heart the truth, who are not gentle and humble and loving. And we get angry with those people. And we wonder why they rebel. And we wonder why people like that are so angry all the time. And those people are us, too, by the way. And it's because we fail to remember and to realize that the people that we get frustrated with out in the world, they're not listening because of their broken spirit. They're not listening because slavery. You say, well, there, there isn't slaves in the world today. Oh, yes, there is. There's more than there's ever been, actually. They, they didn't listen because they had been under so much oppression. And you might say, well, what about Americans who don't this or this or this? I'm telling you, the world is under a heavy burden of spiritual oppression right now. 
the world has experienced traumas and hurt and abuse and neglect and a lack of God in the public square like never before. And as a result, we oftentimes don't listen because of the fact all we know is burden. It's hard to hear hope. So while Moses was tempted to give up, the people already had given up. And this did not help Moses' resolve that the people gave up. So verse 10 through 11, the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Moses is like, I've already done that. And God is essentially saying, just because Pharaoh didn't listen to his foreman, it doesn't mean he won't listen to you, Moses, this time around. They walked out, Moses, go back in. It's easy to be people that walk out. It's easy to be people who give up. It's easy to be people that that just go out, but heroes go back in when everybody else is going out. And so God's like, go back inside. They left. You don't. God's not going to let Moses give up. Sometimes when we want to give up and with everything within our power, we are trying to give up. Sometimes God doesn't let us and it's real frustrating. Moses keeps trying and God keeps saying, no, you're not giving up. You're going in. Verse 12 and 13. Last verses of the story, I'd encourage you to read through the rest of chapter 6. It says, but Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. Pause. Their problem was not that they weren't listening to Moses. Their problem was not that they weren't listening to Aaron. Their problem was they weren't listening to God. That's the problem. They're not listening to God. So how then shall Pharaoh listen to me, God? And he says this weird phrase, for I am uncircumcised lips. This is a callback to earlier in chapter 4, but essentially he's saying, I can't speak. I'm no one. I'm nothing. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. How can I do anything? Verse 13, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land Let's wrap this up. The people gave up on Moses. They went from being all in to being out. Moses wanted to give up on everything. Giving up is the easy way out. I I, I listen to music a lot, and I always draw a lot of... um, resolve and comfort and strength from music. And there's this one particular song uh, it happens to be by the great theological worship band, Linkin Park. And they have this song that says, it's easier to run than face all this pain I've held so long. It's, it is easy to run, isn't it? It's so easy. It's so tempting. But staying in And taking the hard way is the right way. Taking the hard way is the best way. The cheesy, late 90s, theologically sound worship team, The Fray, um, they had a song that said, sometimes the hardest thing 
from the right thing I was saying. And I would say, I don't think it's sometimes. I think it's actually all the time. It seems like the hardest thing and the right thing are always the same. So Moses did get back on mission. But he wasn't going to do it without immense struggle, which we're going to see again and again and again how much this guy messed up. And it gives me hope because guys like me mess up a lot too. But what I want to land on this weekend is this. We, we, didn't, we don't come together just to read a story. The Bible is not just a story. It is a narrative history of these people that points us to freedom that we can receive in Christ. But I want to talk to you who want to give up. I want to talk to you who have given up. I want to talk to people who want so badly to give up on their marriage. Who want so badly to give up on their job. Who want so badly to give up on their very life. Who want to give up on their family. Who want to give up on their lost loved ones. The, the woman I talked to this weekend who said, my daughter and her husband came to me and said, we are renouncing Jesus Christ. But yet she can't give up on them. I want to talk to people who want to give up on the church. Well, the church is filled with hypocrites, and the church has a bunch of messed up people in them. Yeah, it's because people like you and me are here. That's why. I want to talk to people who want to give up on hope. And what I mean by that is want to give up on the idea of ever being able to get out of where you're at. You might as well just give up. I want to talk to people on the verge of giving up. And I want to encourage you, hold on to your dream. Hold on to your vision. Hold on to your calling. Hold on to the reason you got in to begin with. When I want to give up, I have to remember my calling. I have to remember what God has spoken to me before. Um. I don't like to talk too much about my own kids, but just something God's bringing to mind right now is uh, my son years ago um, had this real miraculous, powerful um, word from God spoken over him in a crowd of about 6,000 teenagers and young adults. And um, a few people that were with him had the sense to video record it. And uh, the person that was speaking stopped the service and spoke directly to some kid in the middle of a 6,000-person crowd. And I'm glad we have it on video because he's going to want to give up someday. And we can say, hey, yeah, I know. Here's the video. Here's the video. Remember what it was like. Remember the encounter with God you had. Remember the word from God you had. Married people, remember what made you fall in love to begin with. I, I, love, I love hearing stories of like teenagers going on, on dates and like young adults. Like for, it's so awkward and weird. And as like uh, my wife and I have been married for what, 23 years and it's just like, oh, geez, we're so glad we're not there anymore. It's so strange. My wife's telling a story like one time before we were actually dating, we were watching a movie together. I think it was like 15 and a, a I don't remember this. I think she's making up. But she said, she was telling me last, you grabbed my pinky while we were watching uh, this particular movie. I'm like, I would do no such thing. Um, 
I want to encourage you to hold on to the love and concern you have for your wayward son, daughter, granddaughter, whoever. Don't give up. You may be right at the finish line. Don't give up. 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8, I, Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Because of this, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What does that mean, loved his appearing? I'm thinking about people that literally get angry with Jesus. Atheists who get so ticked off about God, and it's like, if you don't believe in him, why are you so mad at him? If you don't believe all this, why, why are you so angry? He's calling you to love his appearing. You see, there are people right now who are cheering for you not to give up. There are people, little people, depending on you to give up. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You have loved ones in your life, in this church, in the church that is your home church. You have loved ones literally in heaven cheering you on not to give up. Your children are cheering you on because they need you. Your grandkids are cheering you on not to give up because they want a better shot themselves at finishing this race. And if you give up, they may just give up too. So I know people say, well, don't do it for your kids. Yeah, do whatever you can to make sure your kids can finish the race, but you're tempted to give up. The solution for you is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to trust in his promises. Verse 2 of Hebrews 12 how do you continue the race? Paul says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, you finishing the race is the joy that was set before Jesus on the cross. Jesus literally endured the cross so that you could endure the race. He is at the finish line, and he is both with you in the race and waiting for you at the end. He founded your faith. He's perfecting your faith. He will perfect your faith. You've just got to stay in. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. You've just got to stay in. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It doesn't say in due season we will reap. It says in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Reward is coming. Reward is coming. Reward is coming. What is the greatest reward of all is loving his appearing. The reward is Christ. That, that's the reward, but sometimes we get bonus rewards in addition to just the appearing of Christ. Please don't give up. Fight the good fight. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. 
the Lord is with you wherever you go, as Joshua did. Take courage, 2 Chronicles 15. Take courage. Don't let your hands get weak. You will be rewarded. God has given to you all that you need to complete the race that he has put in front of you. All you need is him. All you need is for him. All you need is from him. And what he started in you, he will bring to completion. Let him. Trust him. Don't give up. So this is you. If you are saying, I came today ready to give up on whatever. First of all, don't be condemned that you're tempted to give up. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The idea that you want to give up is nothing to be condemned of in Christ. It's something to be convicted of so that you won't give up. So don't be condemned. This is common to men. Jesus was tempted to give up. God, if there be any other way, take this cup from me. Tempted in every way but without sin. If this is you, tell somebody. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not a sin to want to give up, but you need to tell someone if you do because they can help. If this is you, if you're trying to give up, seek prayer. Ask someone to pray for you and with you. Seek counseling. Counseling is not a bad word. I don't need counseling because if I need counseling, then that means I messed up. Yes, you are. And the fact that you're worried about being messed up and you're worried about going to counseling because you are messed up means you're even more messed up. Be faithful. Be obedient. Remember what you once had, Revelation 2. Repent. Remember where you fell from. Do the things you used to do. And if you have given up, if you have given up, if you're alive, you can get back in. If you've given up, and if you are alive, you can still get back in. You can. Isn't it wonderful? God's a God of second chances. Moses' whole life is a uh, just this dramatic story of second chances. The guy messes up, gets another chance, messes up, gets another chance. You think you've messed up, read his story. If you're alive, you can get back in your life. But you don't understand that I am super old. Dude, you're 45. You're not that old. You don't understand that I am like, I got grandkids. How, how can I get back in? That ship sailed. No, here's the deal. If you're alive, you can get back in. It may be hard, yeah. It will be hard, actually. It might not look the same as you thought it would look when you were younger, but I still have faith that if God started something in you, he will complete it. And it's all right to be 80 and get back in. It's all right to be at your deathbed and, and get back in, but I would suggest that you not wait until then. See, Moses was constantly giving up, constantly getting up. And if God can give Moses a second chance, he can give one to you. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask Casey to come up. He's going to close us out in this song.
you put your phones down or do whatever you can to limit distractions. We're going to wrap up here. Um, I was trying to think. It's sometimes you got to tell stories to get people's attention. I was like, God, what's a story I could tell uh, about giving up? When's the time I gave up? When's the time I didn't give up? I, you know, and I was, and God just was conveyed to me like, people don't need stories. Everybody knows this story. Everybody knows the story of either wanting to give up or actually giving up. We've all taken part in that story. But as I was sharing, there's just one little short story I have, and, and, I, and I hope this is a moment like this for some of you today, whether you're watching online or you're here with us in person, you're listening to this months from now. Uh, a couple years ago, um, I, I was on my way to giving up. I wanted so badly to give up because because it's way easier to run. And I looked at my wife while I was tempted about giving up, and I, I was replaying the events of, of several months, and I, I actually I looked at her and I said um, something to the effect of, like, I just said, am I crazy? Those exact words out of my mouth. I, I yelled, am I crazy? And she was begging me, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. She was praying for me. Uh, I came into church. And at the end of the service that day, um, a woman asked if she could pray for me. And she came up and she laid hands on me and she said, on your way here, you were asking yourself if you were crazy. And God wants you to know that you're not crazy. You might say, well, why didn't God just tell you that yourself to your heart and to your ears audibly? Because it's a lot more powerful. To have God confirm his word over your life through prophecy, people that don't have any clue what's going on, that God can show you. Because here, here's actually why. Because if God would have whispered in my ear and said, you're not crazy, I would have said, maybe that means I am. How do I still not know? But to have someone who didn't know the circumstance lay and said, on your way here, you asked God if you were crazy. He wants you to know So if you're here today, and if you are on the verge of giving up, on literally on your life, maybe there has been uh, just a, a, a heavy burden, some cloud of suicide that has just made its home above your head. You're not crazy. There's no temptation that's come upon you that's not common to me. You're not alone. And it, it is not only okay, but it is, it is good to share that it's good to confess it's good to seek help to process that with someone else I would actually say you can't do it by yourself in order to not give up you need a team you need someone to share with so that's you if you say this burden of suicide has been over my life I just in the name of Jesus God I ask that you would break that break that spirit break that um, heaviness of suicide that has made its home above households represented in this church. God, I pray for freedom from deep depression. And I pray for hope of joy once again. Lord, as I pray this, there are some who are responding right now and, and are, are triggered by these words because they've lost some to suicide. They have 
uh, attempted it before themselves. And God, I pray that you would remove all condemnation in the name of Jesus and shower them with your grace, with your love and give them hope. We pray for new second chances, new beginnings with zero condemnation. Don't give up. For some of you who, who have wanted to give up on your calling, God gave you a calling, a vision over your life, a dream for ministry, and you have given up, I just want to kind of just laugh and say, oh, nope, it hasn't worked yet. God still got it for you. Some of you, you're like Moses. God's not going to let you give up. So just, just give up on giving up because it's not going to work. God has a way of, of playing Jonah games where we try to run away and we try to be the martyr and we jump into the ocean and we're swallowed by a fish and the fish vomits us back into God's calling on our life and it sucks. Don't give up. Just give up on giving up. Just don't. Just, just keep at it. Run that race. It's all right. And for those of you who said, I already gave up on ever restoring my relationship with my kids, my son, my daughter. I've already, I've already given up on, on my marriage. And may, maybe you can't go back into it because, like, they're married again, and that's complicated. Um, but, but I want you to know, it's, it's never too late to get back into some level. And for some of you, getting back in just looks like repentance. I was wrong. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. I'm moving on. Don't give up. And as we sing this song, um, I'll ask some of our, our pastors here just kind of hang out by the front. And, and if you just want to come toward, uh, we'll call this the altar. If you want to come towards the altar this morning and, and receive prayer while we sing this song, if you've, if you've got this, this burden of wanting to give up, we just want to speak faith into you. And if you'd like to come up for prayer when we dismiss after this song, we'd love to pray for you as well. Every single one of us have wanted to give up and have given up on something. But if you like, I just need a boost today, let us pray for you. So God, um, we hand this message over to you. I pray that every word that landed on each heart here would grow and, um, and do something. God, your word can't return void. And, and God, I tried so hard all week to not preach on giving up from this passage, but it's the only chance you gave me because I wanted to give up on preaching it. And so, God, let each person here be encouraged to not give up and to move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?